You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Sydney Foreman. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, July 6, 2020. Later in the program, local resident and member of the Monroe County Human Rights Commission, Vox Booker, was physically assaulted by a group of men at Lake Monroe on Saturday. In today's program, you will hear from Booker's attorney, Catherine Leal. Also coming up in the next half hour, a few minutes with the mayor, where I ask Mayor John Hamilton about local issues. But first, your local headlines. Six new cases of COVID-19 were confirmed in Monroe County yesterday. The statewide number was 330. That's according to the Indiana State Department of Health, which also attributed five new deaths to COVID-19 over the weekend, bringing the total number of deaths to 2,505. Bloomington installed a safe haven baby box at the Bloomington Fire Department station at 300 East 4th Street. This box provides a safe location for any individual to leave any unwanted infant legally and anonymously. According to a Hoosier Times report, the city began consideration of the project in 2018 when Eric and Leanne Powell came to the fire department after having dealt with the death of an abandoned baby through funeral home work. In 2018, only three boxes were installed throughout the state. Now there are 32 across Indiana. According to the article, Fire Chief Jason Moore said, quote, Every city of Bloomington fire station is already a safe place and designated location where someone could use the Indiana Safe Haven Law to surrender a newborn, end quote. When a child is placed in the box, a silent alarm informs the firefighters inside that a child has been left. The alarm also informs Monroe County Central Dispatch in the event that no one is at the fire station. The report clarifies from the Indiana Department of Child Services website that, quote, if there are no signs of abuse, no information such as a date of birth and parental medical history is required for the individual leaving the baby, even though it's appreciated. Babies dropped off this way are examined, given medical treatment if needed, and taken into child protective services to be placed with a caregiver, end quote. The project will provide any people experiencing a crisis pregnancy an insured safe place to leave their infant. Over the 4th of July weekend, a group of white people physically assaulted black community leader Vox Booker at Lake Monroe. The racist assault comes shortly after two purported racial profiling incidents in Monroe County. One of them, which also involved the DNR at Lake Monroe, involved black Indiana University athletes on one boat and individuals on another boat flying Trump flags. The incident resulted in the arrest of one white man who was praised on social media for standing up for the black athletes. The other incident happened in Bloomington, Indiana, where a white detective from neighboring Lawrence County approached a black man walking near his house after receiving a complaint that the man was purportedly looking into car windows. The man denies looking into the windows, claiming he was just going for a walk. The Hoosier Hills Food Bank will continue their Fresh Friday food distribution through August. 
This will be a distribution of free food every other Friday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Hoosier Hills Food Bank, 2333 West Industrial Park Drive. There are no income or identification requirements to receive food. The distribution dates are as follows, July 10th, July 24th, August 7th, and August 21st. The program started in June and provided distribution to 393 households. In the last week of June, the program served up to 765 households. The food bank reported their distribution rates to be at a 52% increase from the same time last year. Over the July 4th weekend, a group of white people physically assaulted black community leader Vox Booker at Lake Monroe. The racist incident was caught on video by multiple witnesses. He said some of the five men who assaulted him were wearing Confederate flags. In today's feature, you will hear the audio from the incident. You will also hear Booker retell the incident in his own words. Lastly, you will hear Catherine Leal, Booker's attorney. For more on the story, we turn to WFHB News Director, Cade Young. We have a six-foot black male who's going to be heading down to the beach area, reference that disturbance call. What beach area? The, the attacking party. I believe so. Nobody here wants to give any information whatsoever. But the CP is not here. Clearly, yeah, not currently have him on deck. 617, clear. Green hat, yellow and gray shirt, tacky shorts. 317, clear. Property area. He's heading down towards the water. And that's the CP. That's affirmative. Over the July 4th weekend, a group of people physically assaulted local resident Vox Booker at Lake Monroe. The racist incident was caught on cell phone video by a number of witnesses. After the assault, Booker said he was diagnosed with a minor concussion, some abrasions, bruising, and some ripped out hair patches. He said some of the five men who assaulted him were wearing Confederate flags. Booker said he and his friends met at Lake Monroe to see the lunar eclipse. On their way to the park, Booker said they encountered a large white male who seemed drunk and wore a hat with a Confederate flag print on it. Quote, We noticed he began following us in an ATV, and we stopped as he drove behind us, and then he stated we were on private property. End quote, said Booker. Booker responded that he believed the organizers of the lunar eclipse viewing received permission to be on the property. When he arrived at the event, Booker said he told the event organizer what happened. According to a Facebook post by Booker, he was informed that the man who followed them on the ATV was not the property owner. Booker said he informed his friends that were on their way to the lake to use the public beach entrance to avoid any conflict. He said he later found out that a group of men had blocked off the public beach entrance with a boat and ATVs, saying it was their land. In his Facebook post, Booker said when people attempted to cross, the man yelled, quote, white power, end quote, at them. Booker said that he and a friend decided to walk back and attempt to have a conversation with some of the, quote, more sober-seeming group members and see if we could smooth things over for a bit, end quote. The following audio comes from the Bloomingtonian. It was also posted on Vox Booker's Facebook account. We warn you, the listener, that the following audio is graphic. Stop, let him go. You're coming with him. You are so coming. 
We're just trying to get out of here, guys. We're just trying to get out of here. Let him go, dude. Let him go. Let him go. Please let him go. Please let him go. We're going to as soon as you let him go. I'm going to. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Get Yeah, I know. Just like I know you were when you came in and invaded us. Just like you guys invaded us. You guys invaded us. We were having a great time and you invaded us. No one invaded you. Stupid liberal. That's what you get. Take your on. You're back. Hold on. Are you okay? Booker said, quote, My enduring gratitude to those who stopped merely being bystanders and acted to aid me, who told the police what they'd seen and heard, and who shared my outrage at DNR's and our prosecutor's office in action. End quote. Vox Booker did an interview with Just Face It with Corey Fair on Sunday. In that interview, he retells the incident at Lake Monroe. The story begins with, uh, it's Independence Day. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a black person, so I really don't feel that. Uh, the 4th of July didn't win my freedom. Uh, so I decided to go out with some friends who were going to celebrate uh, by viewing the lunar eclipse that night. Uh, it was a short hike to the campsite, maybe about 10 minutes. Uh, a friend and I were going to meet these individuals. Uh, as we were backpacking in, we ran across a large gentleman who seemed quite inebriated. Uh, he had on a large cowboy hat with a Confederate flag print uh, to it. So we were cordial enough, uh, moved on, and a few moments later, we noticed that the man was following, uh, coming up behind us on our ATV. We stopped, engaged him, because he was a property owner, it was private property, uh, we apologized, uh, continued on, uh, told him that we had mistakenly thought that the event organizer had uh, received permission from the property owner, and we arrived at our event. Uh, met some individuals, talked to the organizer. The organizer apologized, uh, informed us that that actually wasn't the property owner, uh, that perhaps he was a friend of the property owner, and they weren't aware that they were going to be there. So just to avoid any type of conflict uh, that might arise. Uh, we let uh, folks who were coming know via Facebook that uh, they could simply walk the public beachway around, even though it might be five more minutes. Uh, it was clearly public land, uh, and so there shouldn't be any conflict. So moments later, we uh, had some friends arrive that said, hey, uh, these individuals have blocked off the beach uh, with a boat and some ATVs. Uh, they're yelling racial slurs at us uh, and chanting white power. Wow. So we thought perhaps it was just the, the, the one drunken individual. There were some other individuals that around. 
uh, that seemed a little level, more level-headed. Uh, so we thought, hey, maybe we can just simply engage them, uh, be neighborly, uh, and they can rein in their plans of behavior with them. Uh, so we walked around, uh, asked to speak to one of the individuals. Everything was fine and cordial. Uh, and then the inebriated gentleman came around. Uh, tensions began to rise. Uh, we decided to, believe, to leave before the situation escalated. Uh, as we were walking away, uh, several gentlemen ran up behind us, uh, accosted me uh, and my friend. Uh, in total, five gentlemen assaulted me. Uh, they ended up uh, scuffling with me. I got dragged to a tree uh, where they were able to pin me down uh, and literally uh, yell for little friends to get a noose. Uh, as my body was against this tree, uh, one of the gentleman's teenage daughters, I presume, uh, was yelling for her father to, to let us go. Uh, we were very close to uh, a fairly uh, well-used public uh, access point on the street. So people heard the commotion, and they started to uh, to come to see what was the matter. And as they came and, and intervened, uh, people begged them to let us to let me go. They started filming. Uh, more violence ensued. Several people were assaulted. Uh, and eventually, we were able to uh, get the remaining gentlemen off me. Uh, but then these folks, inebriated with beer cans in hand, continued to follow us for about 10 minutes, uh, yelling, stalking things. Uh, refer to me as nappy headed uh, during the assault. They had I heard uh, that part. Yeah, whipped out close to my hair. Uh, also, um, when I went to the ER the next day because I had some symptoms of concussion, I was diagnosed with a minor concussion. Uh, the doctors noted abrasions uh, and some bruising. Uh, but uh, perhaps the most troubling element of it all was that when we called the authorities, you know that thing that you're always told to do. Uh, you know, when we talk about defunding police, people always say, well, who are you going to call uh, when, when you've been attacked or your house is demolished? So we followed that mantra. We called the authorities. The authorities arrived, and uh, guess what? They came and, and they spoke to these guys before they engaged with us or made sure that none of us need medical care. Uh, they talked to these guys that came back and were fairly adamant uh, in refusing to arrest them. So even at this moment, uh, these gentlemen are still fleeing our community to potentially harm any person of color. Mayor John Hamilton and City Clerk Nicole Bolden sent out a press release this morning that said the city would like to express its outrage and grief in response to the two racist incidents that occurred in the community over the past week. The mayor's office later noted on Facebook that the incidents did not occur within the city's jurisdiction but that the city would work with local and state officials to advocate for justice. The mayor's statement drew praise and condemnation alike on social media, where people noted that one of the two recent racial profiling incidents occurred within the city limits and jurisdiction. Others noted that the mayor's statements rang hollow, given that they did not mention any concrete action the city would take to address racial equity and justice problems within Bloomington. The other incident recounts how a white, plainclothes officer in an unmarked police cruiser 
who identified himself as a detective from neighboring Lawrence County, questioned and detained a black resident who was walking down the street where he lived. The city calls this, quote, an apparent example of racial profiling, end quote. Monroe County Sheriff Brad Swain sent out a press release that said the arena in which the incident occurred was in the Indiana Department of Natural Resources jurisdiction. He stated that the Monroe County Sheriff's Office had no involvement in the complaint called in to the IDNR. However, the Sheriff's Department has received many community requests to get involved in the case. Swain responded to these requests in the press release saying, quote, MCSO has no involvement in this event and has no oversight responsibility over an agency empowered by the state of Indiana, end quote. Booker said, quote, Bloomington, we've had three public incidents involving overtly racist individuals who were then backed by the police within a month. Are we going to wait for a black person to be lying dead in the gutter before we act? When is enough actually enough? End quote. Earlier this afternoon, I spoke with Vox Booker's attorney, Catherine Lyle, over the phone. She told me some of the repercussions the attackers may face, her initial reaction, and what the public can do to help. Here is that interview. So first of all, Catherine, can you do your best to describe the incident at Lake Monroe? Well, in a nutshell, what happened, uh, Vox was going to a gathering to celebrate the lunar eclipse on the lake, one of our favorite places to go to in the summer here in southern Indiana. And um, he was initially accosted by some individuals at a campground, and he was able to get past them when his friend started to come to join them at their camp those individuals started yelling white power. Um, And so Vox confronted the individuals about their use of that term, um, and they quickly attacked him. And not only did they confine him and they beat him, he suffered a minor concussion. He has clumps of his hair torn out, and they pinned him by his neck against a tree for quite a long time until his friends um, intervened, and we know one of them took that video um, and were able to get the man in the red shirt to release Vox and let him go. Shortly thereafter, Vox called 911, and it took one to two hours for anybody to come out there and respond during this very explosive time. They were left alone and unprotected uh, by this group of I don't even know what to call them, animals. Um, And uh, I have a perfect cage that they can go in. It's called the Monroe County Jail. So um, when DNR finally did show up, they conducted a terrible investigation. They didn't even secure the video that showed Vox being pinned against the tree. Um, And so gratefully, the Monroe County Prosecutor's Office called them in first thing this morning, and they are reviewing the case. During the time that Vox was being pinned against the tree, they yelled to get a noose, and they threatened to break his arms. And the person that shot the video saw the person twisting Vox's arm and actually thought that it would be broken. Also, the person who shot the video told me the look in their eyes 
was something he had never seen before on a primal level. And he is certain if he hadn't been there and the other people, they would have killed Vox. When the DNR showed up, did they collect the names of the men who physically assaulted Vox Booker? Hopefully. I have not seen the report yet, but yes, there are den- the, those identities are known. Prosecutor's office is taking this very seriously. It's a number one item of business. Now, what kind of repercussions could the attackers face? Well, when I look at that video, I see felonies, and I see all sorts of felonies, including strangulation, criminal confinement, and battery with injury. Um, besides their obvious, to me, public drunkenness, Um, And it really also goes to show the need for hate crime legislation in Indiana. Once again, our state legislature last year voted down a hate crime law. And so we don't have any separate offense that they can be charged with for this obvious hate crime. Um, It can only be used to aggravate a sentence that a convicted person could receive. So one of the things that we want to come out of this is hate crime legislation. And I think Vox is planning when the legislature reconvenes and the bill comes up once again before committee, and it will, that hopefully Vox can go and testify and share his story and show the video and talk about the need for hate crime legislation in Indiana. I kind of want to ask you about personally what your first reaction was when you heard about this incident. Well, when Vox first reached out to me, I was horrified and sickened. Um, first I read of the account in a private message he sent to me, and then I saw the video and, uh, I, we were, uh, immediately determined to begin reaching out to the prosecutor's office, advocating for these people to be arrested and to be locked up. Um, you know, Fox needs a no contact order. We need those people ordered never to contact Vox or any of his party again. They're dangerous people, and they need to be held accountable. And that's what I thought when I saw and heard of this. The last question I have for you, Catherine, is what can the public do to help bring these individuals to justice? Well, you know, the public right now, the most important thing they can do is to support um, the Enough is Enough and Black Lives Matter movement to continue to be an ally to our people of color, friends, and to continue to listen to them and to take their lead in what we need to do as their allies to stop white supremacy and racism. People on social media started to identify the names of the attackers. WFHB has not independently confirmed the names. A demonstration in solidarity with Vox Booker is planned for tonight at 5.30 p.m. at the Monroe County Courthouse. For WFHB, I'm Cade Young. Now it's time for a few minutes with the mayor, our weekly segment where I ask Mayor John Hamilton about local issues. In today's program, we talk about Monroe County's state and reopening and other current events. Community members posted questions on our social media via Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, posing questions to Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton about current issues. Today, on a few minutes with the mayor, John Hamilton answers these questions. So the first question we have today comes from user Sheena, and they ask, why are we reopening when the U.S. is hitting record numbers of COVID-19 cases? Well, 
the county health department, uh, with advice from numbers of us, is continuing to look at numbers, uh, how many people are sick in our county, how many are in hospital, and those numbers generally are still very good. But I completely share the view that we have to be very cautious um, and should not reopen, probably not much more at all. Um, I'm actually urging that we implement a couple new restrictions, including face coverings being required in a number of uh, circumstances. Uh, we know that helps protect health uh, and also perhaps looking at ways to restrict uh, potential super spreader events where like at bars where you can have a whole bunch of people together indoors for a long period of time. Uh, I think we really need to be careful and I think that we will see some changes in our approaches locally in the week or two ahead. It, it is good that we're in a good position. We have low incidents right now in the county and overall in the state as well. Uh, so let's be extra careful and try to keep ourselves in that good position. I, I think that's the smart way to go. And that kind of leads into the next question, which comes from user Sarah. And they're saying, I heard today on July 4th, there was a positive case for an employee in a restaurant and everyone who'd been there for the last two weeks was advised to get tested. Do they really think that having restaurants open for dine-in service is safe? And she's asking, when will they require uh, masks in all public spaces? I am not aware of that case that that the individual is representing in a particular restaurant, but it is true that if if that were to happen, there would be contact tracing and people who were in, in that vicinity in that restaurant would be contacted and told to check for symptoms and possibly testing. Uh, as I've said, I do support mandatory uh, masking, face coverings. Four counties in the state of Indiana have adopted that. Something like 17 or so states overall have adopted it. Our governor has not chosen to do so, uh, but I think locally we are going to be looking very hard at doing that. I've been encouraging it from the city perspective, but as people probably know, this is primarily a county health uh, process. The city could take separate action, but I, I hope and trust that we'll be able to do this together with the whole county, which I think is just simpler and clearer for everybody to follow. And would that be for all residents of the county if they're going out, not just necessarily employees of businesses to wear these masks? Well, mask orders, uh, face covering orders can come in different flavors. Um, what we're talking about typically would cover everybody, either a resident or a visitor to the county to have certain protocols. They would focus on areas where transmission can happen. That tends to be indoors. Uh, and tends to be when you're within six feet. So most mask orders would have an exception for those who are outdoors and at least six feet from others. And of course, there are typically also exceptions for if there's a particular medical need uh, that somebody may have or very young children are often exempted as well. And the user Sarah also asks, can they incentivize restaurants to pay staff to deliver food instead of serving in-house? Many restaurants are doing both uh, uh, delivery services and pickup services. And now, of course, in the last few weeks uh, in restaurant dining, we've encouraged more outdoor dining, uh, including by closing Kirkwood on the weekends uh, in some blocks to encourage that. And we're open to all other suggestions for that. But I think continuing to focus on what are the ways this virus spreads and trying to limit those um, is, is the key focus. And that does mean face coverings are really important and also avoiding uh, situations where you're close to people indoors for extended periods of time 
Our next question is from Kathy, and they say, Mr. Mayor, please address the city's plans to protect everyone when 30,000 students return to our town in August. We are very cognizant of the challenges that having tens of thousands of people arrive on our city from all over the country, uh, including places with a lot of COVID outbreaks going on, is a big challenge. We're working very closely with IU, working very closely with the health experts, too. And I do think we will see some changes locally. I've been in touch with the mayors of West Lafayette and South Bend, uh, which also have large universities attracting people from all over the country to talk about uh, how they're thinking about it and ways we might do this together. We've been in touch with the state uh, governor's office and experts in the health up there. Uh, I, I think we're very focused on uh, how do you try to reduce the odds of bad things happening. Uh, and that's, you know, part of it is encouraging a lot of good behavior, but I think part of it is setting some expectations and rules that the science tells us will help. Mm-hmm. Will these students have to do any kind of quarantine for two weeks when they arrive on campus? I believe IU is going to be requiring uh, substantial testing for all students, faculty and staff, uh, regular testing. And also, if you get a positive, yes, uh, quarantining and isolation for for the period that's recommended by the CDC. We have a low incidence now of people um, experiencing the virus, but that can change quickly. We've seen it change quickly around the country and um, being ready to quarantine and isolate uh, is really important. We've had, for example, uh, isolation uh, rooms ready for people who don't have a home where they could isolate. Uh, We'll have that and I know IU will have that on campus as well. Um, these next few questions come from WFHB, asking, how do you feel about the words Black Lives Matter being painted over the existing mural in People's Park, which was once the location of a Black art and culture center in 1968 called the Black Market, which was later destroyed by the KKK? I find it a powerful artistic combination, I have to say, uh, and I, I personally found it quite a strong statement. Um, we are going to be uh, looking at that art project, which uh, is, is on a privately owned wall and uh, was originally scheduled to be replaced uh, later this year uh, under the original three-year terms of that mural. And it will include, I think, as you indicated, that park has a very deep and powerful connection to racism in Bloomington and efforts to overcome it and efforts to uh, protect it. And uh, I think the art should all reflect that history of that particular space. And I think it will. I think it does right now. And I think it will in the future, too. I think we'll leave, we're planning a, a plaque to a memorial historical description plaque of what happened there, uh, which is an important part of blooming history for all of us to preserve and honor and understand. And could you speak about how this may relate to the incidents that happened this weekend at Lake Monroe? Well, I'm shocked and I'm uh, grieved and I'm angry about what happened in Lake Monroe, where we had an apparent racially motivated assault and battery and uh, racial epithets, uh, bias incident, to be sure. That is under the jurisdiction of the, um, the state Department of Natural Resources and the county prosecutor. I've been in touch with various officials to be sure that justice is aggressively pursued there. Uh, I've seen video of the event, which was nauseating and infuriating and 
motivating, reminds us that racism is very real. Uh, it's very present in our community and in our area and demands our efforts and attention. The black uh, individual involved is a resident of the city, and, and I'm going to certainly be an advocate for them, uh, do all I can to assure that it justice is done in that circumstance. But uh, it also is just a reminder that we have a lot of work to do in our community, in our country, uh, to root out racism and to eliminate uh, the vestiges that are still around us and still showing up in very ugly and damaging and harmful ways. Do you have a question for Mayor John Hamilton? Comment that question on this coming week's post for a few minutes with the mayor to have your question answered. For WFHB, I'm Sydney Foreman.